could, please stand for the reading of the word. We're going to read chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. I'm honored. Lord, I ask that you can boldly speak through me right now, Lord. I just want to be a waiter that delivers the good. You are the master chef, and I just want you to work in remarkable ways through me and plant these well-watered, fruitful trees of life, these seeds within this congregation that they can be transformed tonight, that they can have a new perspective on your word and go home tonight and be changed forever, Lord, and that they can be on fire for you, on mission for you, living as a living sacrifice to you and not conforming to this world. Lord, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So what is Paul doing here? I think I want to start by highlighting the importance of Paul's position. So he's talking about in the beginning of this verse, he's saying, I beseech you. So beseech, that's an interesting word. I'm, I'm kind of becoming this word person. We're doing this inductive Bible class at the church with Pastor Jerry, who's an amazing pastor on staff here. And, you know, he's teaching us how to break down verses. He's teaching us how to better understand the word. Because you can't just really read the word. You have to, like, study the word. It is, it's, it's such a complicated book. And so I love Pastor Jerry because he talks about all the time. He's like, I'm breaking down words that sta- stand out to me, right? So you break a word down, and you're like, besiege. Okay, what does this mean in Hebrew? What does this mean in Greek? And you're breaking it down, and you're cross-referencing, and you're looking at different translations for the verses, and, uh, and it's such a, a fascinating way. I mean, I was like, man, I've been reading the Bible wrong the whole time. This whole time I haven't been really uh, slowing down and meditating on God's word. And I think a lot of us just try to power through it. And, uh, and, I, and it's so important to really slow it down, take the words, and, and really study it from a different perspective. So he's talking about, I beseech you. This means to come alongside to help. Now, Paul is urging men. He is begging men. He is imploring the Romans to present their bodies as a living sacrifice. So I want you to deeply understand this concept of, of living as a, a living sacrifice because really when you break it down, it's our calling. It's our mission. It, is, it should be the top priority in our lives, and that is to lay down our lives for God, right? So what, is that, what does that look like? And, and I'm reminded of you know, a story in, in Genesis, right, with Abraham and, and Isaac. And, I mean, that's just such a crazy story. I, I would have never, I mean, I can't imagine what that's like to try to, pre- to present your son as a, as a living sacrifice to the Lord and have that type of faith. And Abraham, you know, is with his son on Mount Moriah. You know the story. And, um, you know, and it's funny because I remember reading this story in the kids' books. And I remember thinking about Isaac. And he's like, they, they picture him like this little kid, like little 16, 17-year-old kid. No, Isaac was approximately 33 years old when he was on Mount Moriah with his, his dad. And I, I'm just, like, thinking about how it would have went down and just that grief that Abraham felt in that moment. And he's like, all right, son, go up on that altar. And, I mean, Isaac's like, dude, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I'm going to get on that altar. And he could have done that. But Isaac, he, he willingly gave his life because 
Isaac is a picture of Jesus who willingly gave his life for us, right? So Isaac is a picture of a living sacrifice, and Jesus is a picture of the ultimate living sacrifice. And I love this in this verse. Note here that it says holy, right? So it says holy right after that, holy. And you must understand what this word means, and it means to be set apart, right? We want to be set apart, So are you striving to be a walking embodiment and representation of Christ? Are you overflowing with compassion and with humility and with forgiveness like Christ? You can't do this alone, my friends. It is so hard to be able to present your bodies as a living sacrifice alone. You have to have a community. And I'm going to get into this because this ties in with my testimony. I'd always been a Christian my whole life, but it wasn't until I really got plugged in to this community and started to experience what church is actually supposed to be, which is not just oh, I'm going to come to church on a Sunday. I'm going to show up late, and I don't really vibe with the worship, so I'm going to show up late, and just I'm going to get the word, and you know, I'm, and then I'm going to go back, and then every Sunday, and then maybe, you know, maybe I miss a Sunday here and there. Guys, it's so important to, that's not, church is so much more than that. And if you look at one of our email chimps, I mean, you should sign up for our email chimps and see how many ministries we have here at the church. It's, it's baffling to me how we have sewing ministries and we have young adults and we have sunshiners for 55 and older and we have, you know, uh, uh, ministries for people that have gone through abortions and, and there's forgiveness in that and there's love for that and people coming around. There's ministries for so, and when you start going to these ministries, you start to surround yourself with God-fearing people. You start to create that community and that is so vital in your walk with the Lord so you can better understand His word, you can better understand what God wants from us, and you're surrounded by people that can give you proper advice that you know is grounded biblically, right? And so I remember all the advice I got back in the day from people that just weren't Christian, and they were trying to do their best, but they didn't have that moral compass like we do. We have the Bible. We know if if we're giving advice and it's, it's rooted in the Bible, we can be confident when we tell people and give advice when we know it's coming from the Bible. But man, I would get, I would get wandered off because I'd listen to this advice and it was just... It, was, it ended up in a little bit of some problems there, but now I see the difference in that. Right? Now I'm getting advice from Micah and James and Dom and all of these incredible people, that, uh, and I'm seeing the fruits of that in my life, and that comes with community. Not just community, but God-fearing individuals to hold you accountable and to sharpen you and, and to disciple you. And, uh, you know, just recently I was talking to Priscilla, who she works on staff here, and Pastor Jerry, and you know that's that's her husband, and you know she was just like Garrett. I'm, I'm I. She was so excited that I wanted to be discipled by Pastor Jerry because I was, hey man, I want to sit down and, and talk about my my sermon with you and all these things, and and I think that these people long for you to come to them and be like, hey, can you disciple me? Hey, can we meet on a, like, and just grab some coffee? And I just want to go over a couple things. I want to, I want to talk to you about my struggles. I want to tell you where I'm at. I'm going to, I want to confess my sin to you. And when you start confessing your sin to people, you know, within, within the church, that holds so much. I mean, that is what God wants us to do because it loses 
the power. And when you really start confessing, it just, all those chains break. And then there's healing in that. And then you have people that can give you direction to be able to overcome the things that you're struggling with. I love this verse in Proverbs 27, 17, talking about community and discipleship. As iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. And I love that illustration because when you're iron sharpening iron, I mean, that's not an easy process. You're heating up metal 3,000 degrees and you're banging it with a hammer. And and sometimes when you're confessing your sin, it's like, man, this this is tough to do. It's tough to be honest about what your struggles are. It's tough to be able to, you know, just whether it's to God or to people, it's tough to do that. It may be easier to God when you're, you know, it's just you and him. And you're like, man, I'm repenting for this. Some things on my pride, my anger, my this and that. I, I don't know. But it's another thing to really open up to somebody else and tell people what you're struggling with. It's not an easy process. But, man, when you're forging that iron and, and, and it's, it's a tough process, but you end up with a beautiful, sharp blade. And that's what God intends that process to be like. Talks about in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in habit of doing, but encouraging one another. I love this word encouraging. My my parents are like the ultimate encouragers, and they're watching online right now. Hi, mom, hi, dad. <laughs> When my mom found out I was preaching, she called about 500 people from Colorado. And they're you're going to see Karen, he's preaching today. <laughs> She's so stoked. Uh, but they're like the, they're just like, they encourage me. And I'm so blessed by them. And just day in, day out, I just, and, and that, and because they've done that, I've just learned to turn into this person that's just constantly encouraging everybody. You know, and I feel like sometimes I do it a little too much, but I'm just going to keep doing it until somebody tells me, hey, you got to chill out with the encouragement. Uh, but I'm like, hey, it's biblical. I mean, we got to encourage each other. Um, So, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So, man, just constantly encouraging. I I love that. Coming together. You must recognize something very important here, my friends. I want you to understand this concept that we were not made for us. We were not made for us. God made us for him. We were made for God, right? And I want you to understand that once you get that, you're going to start living in a different way, right? Everything in the universe... It belongs to God. It's not your money. It's not your car. It's not your house. Nothing you own is yours, really. It's all God's, right? So when you start to understand these things, it's like, man, I don't, ah, what a blessing. I don't really own anything. This is all the Lord's. When you start realizing your money's just the Lord, you'll start moving that money in a different way. Um, and my dad called me. He, 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 he told me that. I mean, recently, he, I was on the phone with him, and we were talking about some business deal, and it was regarding ministry and something. And he said, son, it's not my money. He, he, he had this realization. And it's like this light bulb went off. He's like, it's not my money. He's like, I'm doing it. Yeah, and I was like, God, I, yeah, amen. It's not your money. It's God's money. That's a beautiful thing that he realized um, that hit me when I was doing sermon prepping this week. But once you realize that, Everything you possess ultimately belongs to God. It will cultivate the sense of altruism and humility within you, right? So altruism. 
I love this word, putting others before yourself. And uh, altruism is a, is a beautiful characteristic. And I think that we not only need to put others before ourselves, but we, know, we need to put God before ourselves in everything that we do. I'm not going to, I'm putting others, I'm serving others, but I want to ultimately, in everything that I do, I want to put God at the forefront of it. I want God to be the reason and the why and what I do. And every step that I make, right, whether it's my career, whether it's, uh, you know, just when I'm out and about and I'm, I'm just, I want to constantly be reminding myself that I want to put God before myself. Because the less selfish I can be and the more I can put him at the forefront, man, something beautiful happens with that. Something beautiful happens and, and God appreciates that and he blesses that when you start to do that. And, and really, I know a lot of you have secular, secular jobs. You may not work in ministry. You may not work in a field like film or you're like, oh, I'm, I'm making films to glorify the Lord. Or, you know, you may have an average job. But when I was in Israel, I was with this gentleman named Randon who came last minute. And I love this man. And we were talking about Colossians 3, 23. He's like, this is my life first, bro. My life first. Colossians 3, 23. It says, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. And, and, and it's like, he was like, he looked at me dead in the eyes. He's like, bro, there is no secular job. There is no secular job because you can, you can bring the Lord into every aspect of your life. Even if you have a regular job, you can use that as a mission field to be able to be a light that shines bright where people look at you and they see Christ. And that's a powerful thing. I think a lot of people get discouraged because they're like, oh, I'm not, I'm just a waiter. I'm just this and that. Man, there's opportunities everywhere you go. There's opportunities in every single career uh, that we have, right? So this leads us to the question, why should we give up our lives for God? Why should we do this? Well, it says it right here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, the mercies of God, his mercies, his, his unconditional love for us, his long suffering. I mean, we'll walk away, we sin, we always fall short, we're always missing the mark, but yet he is patient with us. He's continuing to love on us. He's continuing to, to present opportunities for us. No matter how far we drift away, he's patiently waiting for us to come back and strengthen that relationship with him and for you to better understand what he wants from you and to better understand his word, right? I love that. I mean, it's like he is he's long-suffering. There's, we were talking about it recently in staff devotional. It's just like, man, when, when people really go off the deep end, they're just so far away, and he's just sitting there like, man, you're going to come back? You're going to come back to me? And I remember that even for me. It's like I was a Christian my whole life, but, man, college, I started wandering. I started hanging out with the wrong people. I had bad influences on my life. I started wandering where I had one foot in the church and one foot in the world. I started, you know, being like, all right, I'm just going to do my thing. I'm just going to do me. I'm going to do what makes me feel good. I'm going to do me God's way. Yeah, right. And then I'm like, oh, gosh, ow, dude. Like, it did not, did not work at all. And I'm telling you, like, any, I mean, you all know this, but, like, you try it your way, man. Like, that never works. Like, God's way is always better. And uh, I was in for a rude awakening, and he made me go through that on purpose. But the whole time, he's sitting there watching me like, okay, Garrett, like, you're going to come back. I'm just going to wait for you. You're going to screw up, and, and you're going you're gonna to try all the drugs. You're going you're gonna to sleep around before you're married. You're going to go to the parties. You're going to do this, that, and you're going to be left high and dry. You're going to be left empty, and you're going to be left wanting something and thinking that that fulfillment, that self-satisfaction is going to fill you, and it just leaves you broken and empty, my friends. 
And I came back, and I truly, when I truly experienced the overflowing grace and the mercies of God and his love for me, I mean, that is something that will continue to satisfy you forever. <laughs> Thank you. And it says here, it is our reasonable service, right? So it says here, it is our reasonable service to dedicate our lives to him because of what he has done for us. The mercies of God are God holding back on his judgment on what I deserve, right? We deserve death. We deserve hell. I mean, we really do. I know a lot of us, I, I don't deserve this. What are you doing? It's like, dude, I, I got caught up in that too. I'm like, I just don't deserve this. It's like, dude, you deserve death. You deserve hell. I'm sorry to tell you. Uh, we really don't. You know, we, 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 we don't deserve anything. Yet, um, this is, this is what should motivate us, you know? I'm saying every single day we pick up that cross, we die to our sin, we die to the things that we know are not good for us, and we try to realign ourselves closer and closer to that bullseye. Pastor Rob always talks about that, like sin is the distance between where you hit and the bullseye. It's like, man, I just want to get closer and closer to that bullseye. I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sinner in human nature, but I just want to hit that bullseye for God, you know? So how do we really do that? How do we break those chains, right, those unhealthy habits? And I think that, you know, one thing that I did that really was, was so instrumental was replacing those with ongoing bad habits with habits that honor the Lord, right? So if I had a bad habit and I'm doing something, I know it's like, whatever, waking up in the morning, I get on Instagram, I'm starting my day off wrong already. Like I'm going on Instagram, I'm listening to the news, whatever it is, like, no, 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 I wake up in the morning, I'm going to give him my body first and foremost, right? This is a part of, of giving him a living sacrifice. You wake up in that morning and you have to give yourself to him. Replace bad habits going on Instagram. Let me just go straight to the Bible. Let me just, let me get up. Let me just put the headphones in. Let me go for a walk with my dog. I'm going to go for a walk with my dog. I'm going to put the headphones on. I'm going to put a sermon in. I'm going to put a Christian podcast in. I'm going to start my day off renewing my mind in his word instead of uh, let me listen to the news. Let me listen to all this dark and depressing things. The world's ending. It's like, that'll gets you so whacked out of your mind. God, uh, Dad, I'm talking to you on this one because he loves the news. <laughs> Make sure you renew your mind and, and wake up in the morning. And I know he's been doing it, but like wake up in the morning, have that time, protect that time, man. Take, take an hour in the morning, sit down, meditate, chew on the word. I mean, like uh, this brings me into my next point, which is a vital role of meditating on God's word, right? And it wasn't until I took Pastor Jerry's inductive Bible class and Pastor Craig was there with me. And I know you remember this, uh, this illustration that he gave Pastor Craig was this. <laughs> it's so funny. Pastor Jerry's like meditating on God's word like a cow just eating grass and then throwing it up again and just eating the grass. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. And I like love that. For some reason, I love that illustration. I've been using it like so much ever since I heard that. But, but I love it. And I, I realize I'm reading the word way too fast. Like I said, I'm slowing down. I'm meditating. I, and on the Bible app, you could do this. You highlight a couple of verses in your Bible app, and you press compare, and then it pulls up all the different translations, and you can see the different translations. And I'm looking here, and I'm getting something different from this and that. I'm like, wow, how did I not know about this? Uh, but slowing it down. Don't be in a rush to finish the Bible. Even Lucas, I remember when Lucas, you know, we were talking about it, and he's like, dude, I haven't gotten through the Bible yet. And he was like bold in the way he said that. I was like, have you gotten through the Bible? He's like, no, I haven't even gotten through the Bible yet. Now he has, but he took it slow. And this guy's meditating on the Word. He's taking everything slow. He's breaking down things. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so important to slow it down. So um, 
you know, as we kind of dwell on meditating on God's word, I think it's important to, you're, you're living in scripture. I cannot emphasize this enough. You have to live within scripture. You have to renew your mind through it. You have to be transformed by it. And, and I love how Pastor Rob always says this. He's like, man, the Bible, it, it, you don't read the Bible. The Bible reads you. you, see, you and I, I want to add to that, you got to study the Bible. You cannot read the Bible. you got to sit down. you got to study that thing. you got to protect your time in the morning, and you got to dive deep into understanding it because it is a tough book to understand. And if you don't have community to talk to and you're not in small groups and you're not in the men's or the women's Bible study, you're not breaking things down, you're not talking about it, it's hard. Trust me, I've been there. I... I I, uh, it was very difficult for me to do it without that community, right? And so now we wake up and as a, a church staff, we get together, right? 9 a.m., we get together and Pastor Rick's, we're sitting down, we're talking about the anchored in the reading and we're gonna go around and see how God is speaking to you today through the word. I'm like, ooh, okay. And I was nervous in the beginning. I'm like, okay. And, and really that structure is something that I needed. You know, before that, I, it's hard to wake up in the morning, protect that time. If you don't like, I know now 9 a.m. I'm there and I have to do it. So it's, it's good. So if you need that structure, have that community, have people to really help you execute that schedule, that structure to be able to protect that time in the morning. Right? So the enemy is so savvy too. You have to be aware. The enemy is so savvy and to try to get you distracted in the morning so you don't read that Bible. The enemy is so savvy how you'll, it'll make you think, oh, maybe I'll just do a little one minute devotional, maybe the harvest one minute. It's like, dude, what? <laughs> and trust me, I was there. I get it. I was like, oh, one minute devotional and I'm good. All right, cool. Set the for the day. It's like, no, 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 dude. You need to be on your knees. You need to be like, you need to be on your knees praying. You need to be on your knees worshiping. You need to be on your knees just constantly breaking the scripture down. If you don't protect that time in the morning, guys, and I promise you by morning and night, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, it's harder for me at night because I'm tired. I just want to unwind, watch Netflix. But if you can wake up in the morning, protect that time with the Lord and renewing your mind in the word in the morning, and then you finish it at the end, at the night, morning at night, you're, that's going to be how you're going to help yourself present your body as a living sacrifice. Now I want to transition to the vital role of worship, okay? And I, the worship was so powerful today. I'm just like, I'm always in the back directing the live production back there. So it's like hard for me because I'm like switching the switcher and I'm like, camera one, take. And I'm like, and I'm praising my hand. I'm trying to get a worship, you know? And I'm like, I told Micah today, I'm so excited just to sit in the front and just like experience the worship setup. Just like, uh, I loved it so much. But I want to talk about the importance of it. You know, I come from a church, uh, you know, my last church I was at was in L.A. County. It was called Delray Community, and I love Pastor Matt down there, and they're a really great church. But they, they would do hymns, you know, and a lot of the older folk here, they, they, even, you know, somebody today said, come on, I miss the hymns. And I, I remember at my old church, we would do hymns, and I would, I would be like, what in the world is this? I'm like, what is this hymn thing? I didn't even know what the hymn thing was. I was just so out of it. And so like, it's, I'm like, it's not powerful. It's boring. I'm like, where is the, where's the full band here? I mean, isn't this supposed to be like a concert where I could feel good? Like, and I'm like, man, I felt like once I saw, I felt so convicted. Like, I'm serious. That is, that is so selfish of me because worship is not about what you get. It's about what you give. And, and you should realize every worship set is not about how I can feel. I want to feel. I want the concert. I want the lasers. I want the fog. I'm, oh, it's, a con it's not a concert. This is not a concert. This is you taking time to be able to worship God. Even as I was sitting there today, the Holy Spirit said, don't ask me for anything. 
don't ask me for anything and just worship me. Like I, I literally, because I got, I started being like, oh Lord, help me with this. Like, no, it's not the time for that. Now, worship is a time for you to praise the Lord and thank him for everything that he's done for you and, and pay attention to the words and start breaking it down because that, that, is, that is worship. We are just in the anchored reading, John 4, 24, and I talked about this at Staff Devo. So powerful. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Spirit and truth. What does that mean, spirit and truth? It requires that we fully surrender our own desires and allow God to transform us from the inside out, leading us to a deeper understanding and appreciation of who he is and what he has done for us. That is how we are supposed to worship, in spirit and in truth. And, I, I, and once you start doing that, it's something, and it moves you in a different way. When you start being selfless the way you worship, it hits you so much harder. And you just say, Lord, I am here. Thank you, Lord. I surrender to you. Continue to use me, Lord. I just want to learn more about you. Thank you for everything you've done. It's powerful. It's powerful. Now I'm going to get into verse 2 here. The verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to talk about embracing this metamorphosis, this transformation, how we can embrace it. Notice how it says right here, and, it starts the verse, and, do not be conformed to this world. It's a conjunction, and it connects two of the verses together, meaning that is a continuation of the first verse, which is why I wanted to preach on both of them together. And it says conforming. I love this word, conforming. That word is, is, is passive, something that we are allowing to be done. The enemy wants you to allow yourself to conform to this world. You know, the enemy is, I mean, and I haven't seen the film Nefarious. I've heard a lot of things about Nefarious. I know you're giving the thumbs up over there. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. We, sent, we, we went to go see a, a very stupid movie last night. I'm very angry that we didn't get to see Nefarious. But it was, uh, you know, Nefarious is, is, I've heard it's like screw tape letters. You know, it's like a movie that's similar to the book Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, which is how the enemy distracts us. It's all the, how the enemy will get us down that path of destruction. And the number one thing is it's, they distract us. And it's, it's so important to be able to know the enemy because if you know your enemy, then you know how to, you know how to play the game with the enemy, right? And it's not a game, really. It's, it's warfare, guys, and you can't be on defense. You cannot be on defense with warfare. We're supposed to be on offense. And to be on offense, how do you, how do you be good on offense? Well, you have to know God's word, and it says in Hebrews that the word is sharper than any two-edged sword, right? The word is our weapon. And, uh, you know, we have to know God's word if we want to play good offense against the enemy. And in order to be transformed, we have to be renewed. It is of the utmost importance that we live a disciplined life for the Lord. It will strengthen your understanding. It will strengthen your relationship with him. 
I think about Navy SEALs. Like, I always was, like, when I was a kid, I always was like, man, those Navy SEALs are so cool. Like, they are so cool. Like, they, that discipline, that, I mean, these guys would stay up for three days straight and the buds training and they're getting hit left and right. I'm like, man, that's, I, like, spiritually, I want to be like a Navy SEAL and have that discipline, have that dedication, have that drive for the Lord. Imagine if, if you had that. And if you don't have that, if you're like, man, I'm not feeling it, pray for it. Lord, I pray that you just bless me with that drive. I pray that you just pour a little gasoline on my fire. I love you. I just need to get fueled up again. I need to be around, I need to be around some people that can fuel me up. So surround yourself with people that'll, come on. Hang out with me. I'll, I'll fuel you up, man. I'll get you going. Now. Let's go, you know. <laughs> uh, man, we were in Israel, and I love this. this uh, we were in Israel recently. Just got back. Really powerful stuff. If you haven't been, you have to go. Uh, start saving. But, you know, we were at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a controversial place because a lot of people think that Jesus was buried there, resurrected. A lot of people think it was the garden tomb, and, you know, but and they, they think that the, you know, the stone that they have in there is like where Jesus was laid on and Jesus' blood, and nothing is confirmed, and you have to do your own research on that. But what I did take away from that spot was... <laughs> Uh, this love that people had. I mean, I'm like, I would go in and there, there's this rock that everybody thinks that Jesus was on. Like they laid his dead body on it. And like, you have the Greek Orthodox people, you got the Catholics, you got the, all the different, you know, sections of this church. Like it's not a normal church like this where you have like a typical thing or just like seats. And there's like different chambers and you go upstairs and then there's more stairs. And it's like four different levels in a dungeon with people singing hymns. It's like wild. And so, but you have this rock here and people are just on their knees and just like, oh, they're just that love that they have for the Lord, thinking that he was like, okay, maybe he would have been on this rock and dead. But like, I was just kind of witnessing everything. I'm like, man, like that, that type of love, like, man, I want that love. I like, we come back to America and, you know, I know Pastor Craig's talked about this a little bit, but like overseas, I mean, it's a different type of drive that they have. You come back to America, Newberry Park, you're like, yo, where's the, where's the oomph, you know, where's the fire? I want to see that fire, you know, because like third world countries, it's like all they have out there. They just like, they love it so much, but um, so it was amazing to see that, and you know the church was unbelievable. And then I was like, "Wow, this is so beautiful." And then after that, I was like, "Let's go to the Dome of the Rock." I was like, "I want to see the difference—the yin and the yang, the, ch the chain, like this light, this holiness, this crazy." And then I was like, "I want to go and see the Dome of the Rock and feel that darkness and see what the difference is, right?" And so uh, I got chewed out from this by Pastor Rob, and he talked about it on Sunday. And it was a very bad mistake on my end. Don't go to the Dome of the Rock during Ramadan at nighttime. That was my bad. I didn't quite put the pieces of the puzzle together there, but. We, we tried to go and we're, we're going through the Muslim quarters and it's wild. And if you don't know Ramadan, they take like 40 days uh, of just like celebrating. They fast all day and they go crazy at night. And there are like hundreds of thousands of people are going to the Dome of the Rock and it's just like a wild scene, right? And we're trying to push our way through the Muslim quarters and it's just like, we're the, I'm looking around, I'm like, we are the only white people around here. Like this is, this is, and I'm looking behind and we had a girl with us and she didn't have like a covering. I'm like, oh wow, this is, I don't know how this is gonna end. And I turn around, I'm kind of feeling anxious. But I'm also like kind of appreciating the different culture. And this guy looks at me and he stops me right there and he's like, yo, he's like, you're not Muslim. You need to turn around and go back. I was like, 
Okay, thank you. I just need that. Thank you so much. And I turned around. I went back. I'm out of here. I said, we're going. We're going. We're out. And it, it, he spoke to me in a perfect English accent. Like, I, it was like this guy had this aura where he wasn't, like, condemning me. He was, like, looking out for me. And uh, he had a perfect English accent. And I swore he had this aura that was a positive thing. And I could have swore it was, like, maybe an angel uh, who just was protecting us all and saying, go, around, go and turn back. And I was like, okay, man. Turned around. We take a left. We go through this alley. There's a little security checkpoint. Two IDF soldiers are there. And they're like, hey, you want to come to the wailing wall and I was like yeah it's like I need that right now I was like yeah I think the wailing wall yeah it's right here like let's go we go out to the wailing wall and it's like we go through the security checkpoint boom open air birds flying in the air we have the the, the orthodox Jews just praying at the wall meditating on God's word that love that I mean it was like it was a spiritual roller coaster from the church to the dome and then and then getting out at this this western wall and then just like sitting there and feeling God's presence, it was something so magnificent, so special. But with all that being said, I was just, I was, I was enamored by people's passion and that drive and that love and, and, and all of that um, for, for God. And, uh, and it was just a roller coaster. That was my favorite moment really while I was there, just that, that feeling, right? So, you know, to, to come back on track here, um, you know, we have to go. So my conclusion is this, guys. My conclusion is this. I want to conclude with, with this. I want you to search your heart for the things that you need to lay down at the altar. This is vital to being able to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Search your heart for the things that you need to lay down on that altar. What is it? Is it your pride? Is it your anger? Is it your, uh, your lust? Is it your love for money? Is it, what, what is it? What is driving you? What you know, only you know this, what you need to lay down at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, take it. I cannot do this anymore. You need to take the reins and I need to, to repent for this and truly repent, turn away from it, right? In order to be set apart from the culture, in order to not conform to this world, you need to lay that all down at the altar. Search your heart. And that's the beautiful thing about repentance, my friends. When you truly understand repentance, it's, it's, it's this searching. You have every morning, you've got to search that heart. Every single You have to examine yourself. The enemy doesn't want you to examine anything in yourself. Your enemy doesn't want you to think about what you're doing wrong and how the enemy wants you to just, oh, everything you're doing is fine. You're going to get through. No, no, no. And, and you, when you start to be aware of that, you start to search your heart and being like, oh, this is what I need to work on. Oh, I need to work on my pride. I, need to, I, need, I want to be more humble. I want to work on this and that. And then all of a sudden you said, Lord, I want to, and then you start repenting. And that is, is, is a powerful action that God yearns for you to do. Now, if there is one thing that I want you to take away from this sermon, it's this. Strive to be a walking embodiment and representation of Christ by renewing your mind in his word. Renew your mind in his word. Yes, worship. Yes, prayer. Yes, community. Yes, all these things. But it starts with renewing your mind through his word. This is how you're going to better understand him. This is how you're going to better have a, have a better relationship with him. I don't think I really knew him. Like when I was earlier in my walk and earlier in my life, I thought I was Christian. I really did. I thought I was Christian. But when I look back at it now, I don't think I was. I think I was lying to myself, and that's the enemy loving that. Oh yeah, I'm Christian. I got the I got the cross on my neck. I got the I got the Bible verse in my Instagram bio, and I go to church. Yeah, I go to church every once in a while. And then you're living like a complete heathen during the week. Trust me, I was there. I was doing that. 
And maybe if I died during that time, I would have gotten faced the Lord and I would have looked at him dead in the eyes and he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. That's a scary thought. That is a scary thought. Does God know you? Do you know God? Do you understand his word? Do you understand what he wants from you? Do you, do you know what his will is for your life? When you start saying, Lord, I'm, I'm, I got to just, tonight you can make that decision. Like, man, I just want to give it all to you. I want your will to be done. Lord, use me. Use me, Lord. I remember I said that prayer. <sighs> Pastor James, young adults, I said that prayer. And he said, this is a dangerous prayer. Watch yourself. And I said, oh, okay. And, uh, and I prayed that prayer. He said, buckle up. And, and now look at me. I'm preaching. <laughs> I would have never thought that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Just wild. Wild. So really cool. But, I mean, so, and I, and I love this. And this last verse that I want to put, uh, I don't know if I put it up there, but Matthew 4, when Satan is tempting Jesus and Satan's attacking, boom, boom. What is Jesus doing? Man, he's coming back. He's always has a, he, he always, his defense three times that Satan's trying to come at him, tempt him. And he says, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he's quoting Deuteronomy three times. It is written, it is written, it is written. It's like ammo, man. He was clipped up. He had the book, boom, boom. It just was like, I'm like, man, I want to have that type of ammo in my quiver. I want those fiery arrows ready to go and Anytime the enemy tries to attack me, I got words, I got scripture. This is what he was probably meditating on Deuteronomy that morning. And he said, oh yeah, I was just reading this in Deuteronomy. By the way, Satan, boom, 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 like just annihilated him. I'm like, dude, this is lit. It, says, it is written, it is written, it is written. So anyway, guys, uh, my last statement is this. We need a spiritual metamorphosis to take place. Where Jesus on the inside of us is shining through us. That when people see us, they don't see us. They see Jesus. It's so powerful. How can, we, how can we get there, my friends? I want people to look at me. I don't want them to see me. I love that song. I don't care about my name to be famous when I die. I want people to know Jesus' name. I want people to see Jesus through me. I want to, every single day, I got to die to my sin. I got to, everything I'm dealing with in the morning, Pastor Rick does this. We have staff devos. He's like, man, the lust of the flesh is that. Take a go. Just annihilating that stuff. Every single day, you got to kill it. Lay it at his feet. Take up that cross and be used by him. Be a living sacrifice and do not be conformed to this world. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask that. Everything that you said through me tonight, Lord, would resonate with everybody here that is watching online, that they would be transformed, that they can be renewed through your word, Lord, that they can understand the power of worship, that they could understand the power of community, Lord. I ask if it's people here online, if they don't have a community, Lord, I ask that you can bless them with a God-fearing community that can hold them accountable. Lord, I ask that you can use everybody in this ministry in mighty ways and that, may, that we can accomplish your will. We're ready, Lord. We're buckled up. Lord, I ask that you can do remarkable things 
through us and that there can be a revival and that God speak Calvary Chapel and everybody that is involved in this ministry can be known for being bold and courageous and not being afraid and, and knowing the enemy so that we can be offense and not defense, Lord. Lord, we just want to be living sacrifices for you. We want to lay everything down for you, Lord. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.